Member-supported Jazz 90.1 proudly welcomes you to America's longest-running computer show, Soundbites. Call the show now at 966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll-free, 800-790-0415 or soundbites.org. Now, alongside Steve Ray and Dave Enright, here's Nick Francesco on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Wait, we're live again? Good afternoon, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the chips in the PC. It is Saturday, the 7th day of January, Anno Domini 2023. And you, <laughs> you lucky people, you're listening to Sound Bites. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Steve Ray. And I'm Michael Oden. And at nine minutes after the hour, we're going to be bringing you news, views, things to use, nothing to lose, kick off your shoes, don't get booze. Here comes this. First, we should mention that uh, that uh, Dave Enright, one step ahead of the law, somewhere in the Southwest, uh, like, hanging like out with the Holden Head Gang. Like we haven't been here all year. I know it's been it's been bleak for. No, it's been kind of good for me. Actually. <laughs> yeah, it's very nice. All right. Well, <laughs> no matter which great smart speaker you pick for your home, the premise is always the same. You need to trust the company behind it with your voice recordings and other sounds from your home. But whenever computers are involved, vulnerabilities exist and can be exploited. Security researcher Matt Coons noticed that setting up a Google Home speaker with a Google account was pretty easy, all while bringing a ton of powerful tools to the account owner. Once an account is set up, it's possible to control smart home devices, create and start routines, and even make phone calls. Coons was interested in uh, to see if it was easy to connect a new Google account to a home Google Home speaker. With physical proximity to the speaker, that turned out to be an easy task, even without access to the Wi-Fi network that the speaker is connected to. It's done by remotely putting Google Home into setup mode and then injecting a different Google account and then reconnecting to the victim's Wi-Fi network. Once a hacker manages to connect their account to the Google Home speaker, they get access to the smart devices in the victim's home. The bad actor could operate switches, play music, turn on and off appliances, and anything, anything that a smart device can do. A hacker can also initiate a phone call via the smart home speaker, making it possible to record everything happening in the victim's home. While in a phone call, the smart speaker's lights turn blue, but if the victim is someone who doesn't use this feature or isn't well-versed with Google Home's options, they might just assume the speaker is updating or otherwise busy or not even notice. Coons disclosed the issue to Google in March of 2021 after first uh, discovering the problem in January of 2021. Google has since paid out a little over $100,000 for the report and fixed the issue. It is no longer possible to add an account to a Google Home speaker remotely, even if it's possible to remotely activate the setup mode. Phone calls as made in the video, uh, as, as made in the system are also no longer possible and you can't make them part of the routines anymore. Google device, home devices update automatically. So you're safe. And that's the important part. Google devices do update automatically. So you've already got the fix. So you don't have to worry about it. Anyway, our poll of the week at soundbites.org. That is Bites with a Y, Francis would like us to remind you, is Google Home speakers were vulnerable to eavesdropping. Your choices are, I knew it. I suspected as much. Sadly, I never say anything interesting. Google what now? I'm angry that some other choice is not available (laughs) and none of the above. So far, we've had 32 votes. I suspect it as much as in the lead, followed by I knew it. 
And of course, uh, you can vote at the poll, uh, as I said, at soundbites.org. And uh, if you have more to say on this or any other subject, or you've got a question for us, give us a call, 585-966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll free, 1-800-790-0415. We see this um, uh, pretty often with smart devices. Uh, they aren't that smart. And they're, most of them have no security. Google Google's home devices and, and um, um, Amazon's smart speaker and all of those, they have security, but there are ways, you know, their security is created by humans, and that's humans make mistakes. Um, and it's always, there's going to be mistakes, that's a given. It's how they respond right. to the mistake that matters. Right, and Google did, they, they it, it seems to have taken two years, <laughs> but they did uh, respond, and, and uh, you know, it takes time to A, figure out whether that's really an issue mm-hmm. and then be to actually fix it, test it in all devices and all issues. So I get that it takes a while, but even so um, it is, it is encouraging that they're doing the fixing. And one of the things to keep in mind is that um, all of the companies will give your data to the police when they get a warrant. Some of them, We'll give your data to the police without a warrant. That's exactly true. They have set up a nice little police portal to log in and uh, and access any data they want voluntarily, and that's and you agreed to that in the fine print that no one ever reads. Right, right, and that's the big thing. Read the fine print. Yeah, but uh, the other thing is, if you buy, there are a lot of of let's be honest, cheap. Smart devices on the market. Cheap as an inexpensive and cheap as in crap. Exactly <laughs> right. Uh, but also, you know, you get like plug, smart plugs. So yep. you can plug it in, put a lamp on it, and then control it from your phone. Those things have exactly zero security. Zero security. So anybody can access them if they know what they're doing. Whether they have your network password or not. It is possible to to get those. So if you know if you're running something from Nest or from one of the other well-known companies, you're probably okay. But when you buy the four for five dollars from Amazon, you're probably yeah. not getting the highest quality security. You can help a little bit by putting them on your guest network, right? Which, if your router is written properly, has right. no contact with your private network, right? And that's assuming that you've got a fairly decent router. Yeah. And that's assuming you're running your own router. If you're running the router from your internet service provider, you don't have that luxury. Yep. To do that. So you want to be you want to be pretty careful about, you know, what what it is you're doing and how you're doing it. And so many of us uh, because we're in our homes, we don't have any real security on our laptops or desktops on our computers in whatever way. So um, you know, if I can get into your network, man, I own your computer. It's pre- it's pretty easy to do. Um, and and if you've got your own router and you didn't change the default password, I own your system. Yep. Um, we, you know, we see that all the time. Uh, Randall Monroe once said there should be a a, a, um, a memorial. 
award for all the people who have Netgear routers and never changed any of the passwords. Um, and, and or 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 you know, um, locked it so that it's a wide open network. Yep, there is the famous case I I, I still get a kick out of um, in 2015. Uh, there was um, a um, homeowner was found dead in his hot tub, and the Amazon um, smart water pump <laughs> recorded 140 gallons of water usage at 2 a.m. And the police were able to get that data. And so using that data, they figured he was murdered and the water was recycled to clean the evidence. And they arrested the guy. Um, and uh, he pled not guilty. And uh, about a year or so later, uh, the charges were dropped. So we'll never find out if that case sets a legal precedent or not. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, that, that, was, that was sort of the beginning of your smart devices will tattle on you and, uh, and watch out what you're doing. Uh, and we see so many. You can buy a smart refrigerator now. <laughs> you know, and, and okay, but what's and uh, I you know, can't God get forbid, my I can't get my drink because it's the blue screen updating. Yeah, right, exactly. Won't let me open the door. <laughs> exactly. And and I guarantee you, go into any appliance store and ask them what's the security on this device, and you'll just get a blank look. Eyes rolling up in the head, a little bit of drool in the corner of the mouth. They're running windows. Well, most yes. of them. Yeah. Um, so you got to be careful and you got to be aware. Uh, and you know, any smart device is vulnerable. That's just the nature of the thing. Uh, but some are much more vulnerable than others. Some of them are kind of designed to be vulnerable. And when when vulnerabilities are found, they'll never be updated. Right, because who's gonna you know who's gonna go to the time and effort to update a four dollar smart plug? Right, that's exactly right. Yeah, um, I have uh, a, a, a friend of mine several years ago gave me a, a set of smart plugs, and they were the you know four dollar smart plugs from Amazon. And I was thank you, very nice. I've, uh, they're still sitting in the box. I and if you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm just not. Uh, I'm not interested in you. <laughs> And using them to be utterly honest about it. What is really nice is that there is a company called Wise, W-Y-Z-E, and they make a lot of smart appliances that are ridiculously inexpensive yeah. compared to their big brother. You know, a video doorbell for $200, there's just 50 bucks. Yep. And they're a well-known company, and they're generally and, speaking pretty, pretty and, uh, yep. secure. And they do updates when they find problems. That's exactly right. So if you're if you're going to uh, buy a smart device, but you want to save a little money, uh, look at Wise W Y Z E again. So, um, yeah, it really doesn't it really doesn't save you in the long run to save a couple of bucks here, a couple of bucks there, spend a little bit of money. Wise even did something neat during excuse <clears throat> me during the pandemic when webcams were. In such short supply, they released a special firmware update so you could turn your security camera into a webcam Yep. Um, in order for you to do your online meetings. Yep. That was kind of nice of them. Yeah, that's very nice. And, um, you know, I have a, a camera sitting in a window in my house looking out to, to who comes to my door. Uh, but in my case, that's set up on uh, a Raspberry Pi. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I could I could secure the heck right out of it. So that was fine. Um, but you got to be aware and you got to be careful. 
just because something is smart doesn't mean it's also secure. So pay a lot of attention uh, to what you're looking at um, uh, in, in terms of that stuff. And, and don't be surprised if you bought an extremely inexpensive device and it doesn't, in fact, do <laughs> any security whatsoever. Yep. So uh, be aware. And don't forget, you can give us a call. 585-966-JAZZ. It's 966-5299. Toll free, 1-800-790-0415. Just like Brian did from Gates, New York. Hi, Brian. What's up? Hi, guys. Happy New Year. again. Indeed it has been. Uh, and greetings from your lo- young and lovely. Oh, good. I saw her this morning. At the market, uh, yeah. Is, yeah, uh, this is for your godson. Yeah. He lives out in California. Yep. He and his young and lovely bought a refrigerator, and it's it's a single number followed by a K, all right? It was a really big one, and fancy is all geared out with the video screens on the front of it so you could look inside in your refrigerator to see if you have to buy anything and all of that. He says it's got a feature that if, for any reason, the door has been left open, mm-hmm. even just slightly ajar, it calls him to tell him his refrigerator is open. He says, doesn't do me a whole heck of a lot of good if I'm at work 20 miles away. Yeah, why doesn't it just close the door? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> there are certain limits to how intelligent some of these products really are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're, you're right. And I hope that uh, he at least asked somebody uh, what security is on that fridge or looked it up online. Uh, to see whether or not someone can break into his uh, network through that device. Through the device, right, right, right. I'll have to give him a call tonight and see. <laughs> but thanks a lot, guys. I just figured I'd uh, give you something to talk about. Yep. <laughs> no, that's great. Thanks. Yeah. Talk to, talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Our refrigerator makes a beeping noise if you leave the door open too long, but it's so quiet that... Um, if, if you're not in the kitchen, you won't hear it. So it doesn't help much. Right. If you're in the kitchen, I know I left it open. I'm still doing something. You're right. <laughs> Janet in the, in the YouTube chat said, it calls him and asks if he, is your refrigerator running? <laughs> um, but yeah, um, there's something honestly quite seductive about those smart refrigerators because you can get, you know, you're sitting there in the kitchen anyway, you can get the time and the temperature and, and stream mm-hmm. things to it, and 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 you, you know. see your morning news while you're having breakfast. I'm exactly. like, yeah, it, it has it has its its some value, right? And and you some of them have scanners, mm-hmm. so you know when you run out of something, you poke a couple of buttons, scan the thing, and yeah. it puts it on your shopping list. I uh, always... guess I read that story on my refrigerator this morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes I'll stop at the grocery store at night, and uh, I don't remember if we need milk or not. But I'm always hesitant to, to text my wife because instead of saying, you know, yes or no, she'll send me back a hundred more things I got to buy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yes, and I get, so I get it. I do. I absolutely get that it is, it is very convenient and there are a lot of good uses for it. But if it's not secure and securable, you don't want it. Honestly, you do not want it. And heaven forbid the company stops supporting 
that software because the, the refrigerator company contracted out for the software. Right. And then suddenly the refrigerator doesn't work because the software company has gone. Right. Right. And that's a, that's the other side of that coin. You can be pretty sure Microsoft is going to be around for a while. You yeah. can be pretty sure Apple's going to be around for a while. You can be pretty sure Linux is going to be around for a while because there's a nobody gets paid. A million people are are editing that one. But who wrote the software for your refrigerator? And how viable is that company? You know, you honestly, who you know? Because again, just because you bought an an, an LG refrigerator or whatever. Um, you can call them and say, hey, somebody broke into my refrigerator. They're going to say, oh, thanks, bye. Yeah. Nice, nice. Interesting to know. Thanks for calling. There was a meme going around about appliances don't last as long as they used to anymore. So the planned obsolescence, you got to buy a new one every three or four years. But that uh, Frigidaire I bought in 1970 is still running away in the garage. The avocado green. (laughs) Yep. Yep, yep. Absolutely right. We had... Uh, a couple of years ago, our chest freezer died, and we figured out it came with the house when we bought it. So <laughs> we're not entirely sure how old it is, but we think it's from the 50s. Yeah. Um, that's as far back as, as we could trace it. Things are made to last back then. Yeah, exactly. Um, but those are, those, are, those are things that you have to be aware of. It's not just, oh, look at this cool new toy and look at the cool stuff that it does. But more importantly... Um, it's really all about is it going to be around in a couple of years and even more importantly than that how secure is it now that i put it on my network Mm -hmm. because remember your network is access to your computer and what information do you have on your computer that you don't really want other people to have access to like all your financial data yep um so you know once they're in your network uh, they can take their time and play around and figure stuff out. So uh, if you haven't um, put a, a, a decent password and and a decent password, not not just one two three four five six. Wow, that's the same password as on my luggage. Um, if it, if you don't have a good password on your router, you might as well not have a password. And if you don't have any confidence that the company that made your smart devices are protecting those smart devices, that's not so smart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. Um, so you want to be, you know, we see it with printers. There are a yeah. lot of printers that set up their own network. To be convenient. To be convenient. And yet those networks have everybody... Every bad guy on the planet knows the default password. So if you haven't changed that default password, anybody walking by your house can log into that printer. Now they're in your network and they can do whatever they want. So even devices you don't think of Mm -hmm. as being able to do that can like your who thinks that, a you know, a printer, if you can get to the printer on the network, if there's a if there's a. Uh, a web interface to your printer, you'd better make sure you've changed the default password on that printer. Yeah, and there are there are 
uh, botnets running on uh, home DVRs and home routers. Yep. You know, um, hundreds of thousands of uh, you know robots um, because some bad guy got into your DVR that that came from your television provider, so you probably don't have any control over it anyway. Right. And uh, and so that DVR doesn't have much power, but you get a hundred thousand of them together, and they can take down other companies. Yep. Uh, and that gets traced back to you, not back to yep. the other person. So, and, and sort of annoyingly, it's against the law to break into someone else's computer. Right. Obviously, so bad guys do it; they don't care; they're breaking the law. The good guys know where these botnets are coming from. It's illegal for them to fix it. It's illegal for them to tell you you have a botnet because then they broke into your network to know that. Right. Right. It gets it gets ridiculous pretty quickly, quite frankly. Yeah. And um, we have to be aware and we have to be willing to put in the work. Uh, like I said, check your smart TVs, check your smart plugs, check your printer, check your router. Everyone should get a, a lens scanner. An IP address scanner. I use one called Angry IP. In fact, I'll, I'll quote, um, link it. That's the one thing I don't like about it is it needs Java, but it's free. So, okay, it's good. Uh, um, and you can scan all the IP addresses on your network. And if you don't recognize what that device is, um, you got problems. Yep. I, I have to say I wrote one, uh, for one of my Raspberry Pis and I haven't finished it yet, but the plan is, that it will, uh, um, when I when it sees a, a, an address it does not recognize, mm-hmm. I'll have a list of all the the addresses that I use. Yep. And when it sees one, it doesn't recognize. It lets me know. Yeah, my router does that now too. Yeah. Some of the smarter routers are doing that. Right. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Steve Ray, Michael Oden, me, Nick Francesco. And you, it is 30 minutes after the hour. You're listening to the very first Sound Bites of 2023. Uh, we're right here on Jazz 90.1. See you in a couple of minutes. Online 24 hours a day, seven days a week at soundbites.org. More with Nick Francesco, Dave Enright, and Steve Ray next on Member Supported Jazz 90.1. Derek Lucas, tune in, turn on, and jazz out with me each and every weekday morning from 6 until 10 a.m. on member-supported Jazz 90.1 and jazz901.org. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Steve Ray. And I'm Michael Oden. And at 36 minutes after the hour, we are Soundbites. And you can call us, 585-966-JAZZ. It's 966-5299. Toll free one eight hundred seven nine zero zero four one five. And why were you channeling William Shatner? <laughs> Business owners and employees still using Google's Chrome browser on an older version of Windows, and um, individuals who listen to this show will need to upgrade pronto. That's because Google is set to stop technical and security support for that browser, the Chrome browser, running on Windows seven. Next week, Google initially had plans to halt support on July 15th of 2021, but due to COVID-19, it pushed the deadline back first 
to January 15th of 2022 and then to January 10th of 2023. You'll need to ensure your device is running Windows 10 or later to continue receiving future Chrome releases. Windows 7 may be old, but it's still used by millions of PCs around the world, half of whom listen to this show. According to statistics from netmarketshare.com, 14% of global Windows devices are still running Windows 7 as of December of 2021. Google said older versions of 2022, older versions of Google uh, Chrome will continue to work, but there will be no further updates released for users on these operating systems. If you are currently on Windows 7 and Windows 8 or 8.1, we encourage you to move to a supported Windows version to ensure you continue to receive the latest security updates and Chrome features. Many small businesses may have avoided the transition to Windows 10 and many individuals. <laughs> While larger organizations may not be willing to pay the cost of an upgrade, Microsoft itself itself stopped supporting Windows 7 in January of 2020. If you continue to use Windows 7 after support has ended, your PC will still work, but it will become more vulnerable to security risks and viruses. Your PC will continue to start and run, but you will no longer receive software updates, including security updates from Microsoft. Now, that information is direct from Microsoft. So don't call me up and say, I use Windows 7, I'm still getting updates. No, you're not. Not from Microsoft. I don't know who you're getting them from, but it isn't Microsoft. I'd be a little careful about installing them if I were you. Um, and now, at least it appears that Chrome will suffer a similar fate if you are still using Windows 7. Are you still using it? Sorry, you can't send us a fax, but you can give us a call at 585 585- 966-JAZZ, it's 966-5299, toll-free 1-800-790-0415. We don't have a telegraph operator in the building anymore. Although I think Dave does know Morse code. Dave does, yes. <laughs> uh, well, he has to for his uh, license. Well, hammer, yeah. I, Although, don't, I don't think that's a you don't, Yeah, anymore. you don't need uh, uh, Morse code to get a, a basic ham license anymore, and apparently a lot of the purists are really mad about that. Yeah, I can understand that. I, 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 many, many, many years ago, um, a friend of uh, my father's gave me a, a ham radio tube operator. It, it was, you know, late 50s, early 60s. It was a tube operated, beautiful, big, beautiful set. Uh, but it needed some work done. So uh, while I was uh, studying Morse code and things for my license, uh, we sent it to a guy to be fixed and he took all the equipment he'd been given to fix and left town with it so i stopped learning morse code so <laughs> I, I remember s's and o's and that's pretty much it yeah how many uh, uh movie plot tv plots have been solved because one person knows morse code right exactly actually it has to be two because the person at the other end right. sending the morse code right how uh, how yeah, how desperate do you have to be to send morse code hoping someone at the other end is going <laughs> to read it <laughs> All right, back to the phones. Our next caller is Art from Rochester, New York. What's up, Art? Hi, Nick. I got two quick things for you. Yeah. Uh, related to the uh, conversation you're having about smart devices, yep. I was I was reminded of a quote by Will Rogers where he said, "All the modern inconveniences." Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, he's. I love Will Rogers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. And related to that. Uh, I was reminded of a uh, surprise birthday party my niece gave to her husband. And they got him out of the house for the surprise. And uh, she forgot that when she opened the fridge, 
her husband would start getting emails saying that the fridge was open. <laughs> I, I don't know how she worked around it, but she wasn't. You know, she didn't know how to turn the feature off. Right, right. And uh, one last thing, uh, you're just talking about uh, IP addresses on your network. Yeah. Uh, in, in the past, I have used a utility called F-Ping, which can be configured to uh, scan your entire network. Nice. What's the name of it again? It's the it's the standard uh, Unix command ping with an F in front of it. Oh, F ping. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, thanks. It's, it's in the repository. Yeah. Um, and, and for those of you who don't know, uh, the repository is, is every Linux version has tens if not hundreds of thousands of free programs available uh, in a repository that you can just go and grab from your machine. Um, in fact, I'm searching it right now. One ping, please, Vasily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, send ICMA network host. Nice. Nice. Very cool. And I know that there are people who have written, you know, there's there's Zymon and, and a whole bunch of, of network monitors. I just wanted to write my own because I wanted to write my own. That's, that's what well, that's all about. It's, but, yeah. Nagios. Nagios is a big one. Oh, yeah. I used to use Nagios. Yeah, it's a great it's a great program, and again free. Um, so yeah, excellent. Thanks, Art. And good to have you back on the air this year. I'll Thank you. We're we're very happy to be. I will I will admit, I loved having two weeks where I didn't have to care what day it was. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so I felt I felt for those two See, weeks. I had I to go, go to work. I know. I understand. <laughs> I had to I, stay at work actually because I always go in the morning. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, but we're we're very happy to be on. Okay. Thanks again, Nick. Bye. Thanks. Have fun. Um, yeah, Nagios. I was just looking it up. Yeah. Yeah. This year, um, Christmas and uh, New Year's are on Monday. Yeah. So we'll be here. We'll yep. be here. It's New Year's Eve Eve. Or as apparently they're starting to call it New Year's Adam. I do not like that. I do not like that, Sam. I am. Uh, but that, uh, so apparently people are starting to call it that. I don't, I don't care for it. I don't care for it even a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so um, knowing, look, we, we say this time and time again, uh, but the fact is, you are now a systems administrator. I don't care if you've only got one computer in your house. You're a systems administrator. You have to keep that up to date. You have to keep every machine in your house up to date. You have to worry about the security status of every machine on your network. You have to worry about the network itself. You have to worry about backups. I mean, these are all things that systems administrators do for large companies. It's what I used to do for a living. Um, you know, you, you set it all up and you and 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 then you you get Dave to actually run it. Um, different Dave, uh, but the the idea is you make sure that those things are set up and running and, and available and 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 everything is going. But there, if there's no, if there's nobody, if you're not doing it, there's nobody doing it, uh, and it needs to be done. You cannot assume. Your network is protected. I can't tell you how many times uh, you you wander around a city and you take any random um, uh, router, wireless router, and you can just use it. 
because it's not protected. And anyone that's wide open that isn't that isn't locked, I'll almost guarantee you the um, user, the administrator password has never been changed from the default. And that used to be something that people would do intentionally to be nice to let people on the Internet. But now the bad guys have ruined it all for us. Right. Um, yeah, um, I had a, a friend who uh, sold his house, bought a van, wanders around the country in his van. He's one of those people who's not working, uh, for, from what we were talking about earlier. Um, and uh, for a couple of weeks, he parked in my driveway, and I gave him the password to the guest network, mm-hmm. which I changed when he left. Not that I don't trust him. Not that I won't give it to him again if he comes back, but it's the right thing to do. The minute somebody who isn't in your immediate family gets the password to the network, you then change it. That's how it works. All right, back to the phones. Our next caller is Joe from Rochester, New York. What's up, Joe? Hey, guys. Um, I wanted to revisit the uh, smart refrigerators and uh, something that Steve had mentioned about the software updating that sometimes they will not support the software updates anymore um that might apply to like smart tvs as well a few years ago i had a high sun smart tv the software wouldn't update anymore and i had to basically buy a new tv but i i used the fire stick instead so i was reading where a lot of people are looking for dumb tvs now because they don't want to go through that aggravation it's a lot cheaper to update a fire stick or a roku box than a yeah, TV. you get yeah. your own smart box to plug into a dumb TV. Right, right. But, Joe, if you've still got that smart TV and it hasn't updated, you've got a problem. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, exactly. It's almost impossible to find a dumb TV anymore. Yeah, exactly. Unless, unless yep. done in really small sizes. Right, right, yep. right. Exactly. So, anyways, yep, anyways, here we go with the dumb TVs. Let's get a big push for those. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thanks. All right, thanks, you guys. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Yeah, and, and isn't that the truth? I have a smart TV um, that is relatively old. I make sure it's not on my main network. But I don't use the software that makes it smart. Yep. I have a Chromecast plugged into it. Uh, yeah. Because that A is much faster. B has updated apps. And C, if I got to replace it, it's 15 bucks. It's another appliance that doesn't last like it did. But joke, joke in my family is, is they got a, a, a new TV, massive 20-inch TV, the same year they got me. Right. And that TV lasted 18 years. And I was there when we threw it in the back of the garbage truck. And the garbage man had this big grin on his face as he pushed the squish button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when that thing, when the picture tube uh, imploded, and it just echoed really beautiful in that garbage. Nowadays, you're barely lucky to get five years out of a TV. Yeah, exactly. But at least every new TV has so many better features. And the price is so much lower. I just I just got, you might remember, I, I, I bought Dave's old 55-inch. 50, yeah. Um, well, it died. Yep. I just got a 65 inch TV, uh, for 400 bucks. Yeah. 4K, 120 hertz. Uh, it's got four inputs. I, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. And if it, if it lasts for five years, well, that was, that was less than a hundred bucks a year. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, then, then by then I'll get that 8K TV. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> All right. Back to the phones. Our next caller is Steve from Greece, New York. What's up, Steve? 
Well, Happy New Year, gentlemen. And you too. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, last night I had a blue screen of death on my Windows 10 machine. Congratulations. Thank you. It was so pretty. Um, I did a manual power down. And before that, I had a PFN list corrupt. And eventually it rebooted, did a system check, thought I was all set, and then it crashed again. This time I had a kernel mode heap corruption. And actually I ended up uh, rebooting a lot of power downs. Um, I had to forget my Wi-Fi network so I could remember them again. I am wondering if you have any idea what went wrong, but mostly what is my next step? What do I, I, everything's backed up, Nick. That's important. Uh, yeah. But at what is going on? Do I need to basically wipe my hard drive and reinstall Windows? What's going on? Well, okay, so PFN list corrupt is uh, uh, data corruption in the page frame number, the PFN. That helped a lot, didn't it? Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for calling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what happened, what actually happens there is um, you've got, it doesn't matter what a PFN is. What matters is at that level, it could be caused by either hardware or software. So how old is your machine? Uh, three years. Three years? Shouldn't shouldn't be a hardware problem. Um, you, you could try reinstalling Windows on top of Windows, you know, uh, 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 and that might solve the problem. As long as you've got everything backed up and, uh, you know, all your software um, is legal so you can reinstall it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, You should, uh, yeah, you should be able to do that. So, if you can figure out what what software caused the problem, then you can uninstall that software. Any idea how I find out? N no, honestly, no. Um, if it happens only, well, now you're doing now you're doing detective work, and and that's nice because yesterday was Sherlock Holmes's birthday, so that's important. Um, but. Um, you can uninstall the software, and, and the way you, you figure out which one it is, is if it only happens when you run a particular program. Right. Uh, otherwise, you can repair your Windows registry with, I don't know, CClean or one of those um, to, to fix your registry. Uh, there is a, a, a blue screen of death troubleshooter. Um, in the settings menu, update and security... And then choose troubleshoot. I did that, and after half an hour, I had to. I just said, "You're not doing anything." Um, it just sat there, and I got the circle running and running and running. I literally waited half an hour. It's not. No, is it a page fault, a memory page fault, or disk page paging in and out to disk, or just memory? Do you know? Well. Well, you don't, we don't know. It could be either. Uh, so I, I was wondering if, if like a spin right scan to to validate all the blocks would help. Right, or at least SFC. Yeah. Right, so you can do an SFC well, scan. Well, wait, is this Windows or, um, or Linux? Windows. Windows, okay. So you do SFC space 
forward slash scan now. And that will do a system scan, which will take quite a long time. Uh, but the theory is it will uh, um, uh, it will it will give you an error message if there's a problem. There's also uh, DSIM, which is the Deployment Imaging Servicing and Management. And uh, again, under Windows, the, you just type DISM, and that's all in caps. Um, slash online with a capital O. Slash cleanup dash image with capital C and capital I, and then slash restore health, all one word with a capital R and a capital H. And then that'll scan, and, 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 and after all of these, you want to reboot, but you, you can try that. Um, and, of course, I'm assuming you've already checked for a virus or a malware kind yep. of thing. I did. Uh, the other thing... <laughs> um, other thing you might try is just remove OneDrive. Okay. But that's not easy on Windows 10. And it keeps coming back. And it keeps coming back. So, um, but that's it. And you could also check for RAM corruption uh, because it could be that. And that's the Windows Memory Diagnostic, and you run that from the command line, and it's called mdsched.exe. MD yeah. for Memory Diagnostic, SCED is in Schedule, S-C-H-E-D, dot E-X-E. And then say yes and um, restart now and check for problems, and, uh, and then it'll run a whole test. Right. Um, and th- and those are the things I would test for first. <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. Hey, it's, it's it's something to keep me busy for the next week. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Yep. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. You uh, <coughs> pardon me. It's all right. You enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Might be time to take off and nuke it from orbit. Yeah, it's the only way to be sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sometimes it comes down to erasing everything and installing it clean. Right. But then why did it happen? We don't know. We (laughs) We don't know. We'll never know. Yeah. But that's that's kind of the hidden secret in tech support. Why did it happen? We have no idea, and we probably never will. Right. Is this Don? Okay, next caller is Don from Pittsburgh, New York. What's up, Don? Yes, a question a little bit off topic here. Uh, regarding the uh, surge and spike uh, suppressors that you put on your power line to mm-hmm. protect equipment, how long do those usually last, and is there some way to tell if they are still effective or not? Um, surge protectors, uh, which you can buy just in a regular power strip, yeah. last, uh, it depends on which kind you buy. They either last once or they're resettable. And backing up half a step, um, surges are an extremely uncommon thing. Right. And you get a real false sense of security uh, using surge suppressors. What you want to use, especially on server equipment, is a battery backed up uninterrupted power supply. Right. Which is a fancy 
So it's a, <laughs> well, it's a fancy power strip with a lot of technology behind it. Right. The the thing really, as, as Steve alluded to, is that surges, spikes, are rare. What's really common are brownouts. Instead, a spike or a surge is, is an increase in voltage. Right. A, a brownout is a lowering of voltage. Mm-hmm. And again, depending on your device, uh, it may have no effect. Or it may really screw it up. I mean, you don't want suddenly lower voltage when you're writing to the hard drive. Yeah, and and what's interesting is that the 120 volt frequency that we we talk that we talk about, it's actually an allowable range of 108 to 128 volts, right. depending on the the draw. So uh, you know the, the the typical joke here in Rochester is everyone in Rondekoit turns their air conditioning on, and everyone in Greece loses power. Right. Yes. Uh, okay. With that in mind, we have USB, USPs, the battery backup yep. devices, which have some protection on uh, each uh, office computer. Uh, does that is that enough protection against brownouts? Yes. Well, uh, well, maybe it depends on what kind of UPS you've got. Yeah. There are three kinds, and I don't remember the technical names, and I'm sure somebody in the chat will. One of the chats will tell me what they are, but it, it doesn't really matter. The, there's the kind that essentially, uh, really the two important kinds are the kind that sit and wait for a brownout and then cut in. And then there are the kind where you're always running off the battery and uh, the, the plug in the wall is recharging the battery constantly. I think I have the type that simply kicks in when the power goes off, and I believe that if the voltage drops to a hundred or something like that, a right. brownout, I don't think that thing is going to kick in and uh, switch over to battery power. But uh, right, I, right, and that's why um, I try to tell people that, and I think it's called an inline one. I don't remember. Line interactive. I'm seeing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Line interactive. Anyway. Uh, Listen, can you hold on? Sure. Yeah, because we have to take a quick break. Uh, That music tells us that um, (laughs) uh, the first half of the show is over. It's 59 minutes after the hour. You're listening to the longest-running computer show in the known universe, Sound Bites. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Steve Ray, with the great Michael Oden, uh, and me, Nick Francesco. As I said, it's 59 minutes after the hour. We are Soundbites. Go take a quick bio break for yourself or whatever, but don't go too far because there's a whole nother hour of this nonsense coming your way. And the first show of 2023, it's very exciting. I haven't yet made the mistake of saying 2022, but stay tuned. We've got a whole nother hour for me to screw up. So uh, take that bio break, get yourself a, a beverage of some sort, and we'll be a whole lot. We'll be back with a whole lot more sound bites. I'm member supported Jazz 90.1. It's America's longest running computer show. Back to more sound bites with Nick, Dave, and Steve. Next on member supported Jazz 90.1. WGMC Greece, Rochester. A public service of the Greece Central School District. Jazz 90.1. On Instagram at WGMC Jazz 901. 
Welcome back to America's longest-running computer show, Soundbites, on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Get online now. Call 966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll-free 800-790-0415. Or submit your question by email at soundbites.org. Once again, here's Nick Francesco, Dave Enright, and Steve Ray on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Steve Ray. And I'm Michael Oden. And in five minutes after the hour, we are hurtling headlong into the second hour of the first episode of 2023 of the longest-running computer show in the known universe, Soundbites, right here on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Before we go back to Don, I should tell people that there are indeed uh, no rumbles left. And Smiley wants to know why he can't get to the forum, because there are no more forums. We can talk about that after we finish with... Don. So, Don, you still there? Ah, absolutely. I wouldn't think of leaving. Um, <laughs> well, eventually we'll just hang up on you. <laughs> you mentioned three <laughs> three types of USBs. Uh, one, uh, the one that I suspect that I have that simply kicks in when the power goes uh, totally off. Uh, the one on that will protect or that is running all the time on battery. And what is the third type? Yeah, I, I don't remember. There may only, there may only be well, two. Well, the, yeah, they're, they're line interactive, um, standby or offline. And the third one is double conversion or online. That's the best one that always runs from the battery. So it right. takes the AC in, converts it to DC, charges the battery, converts it back to AC to run your, your device. So that's a double conversion. That's the best way to do it because then your devices are always running off the battery and it doesn't care what the AC line voltage coming in is. Right, and that's that's essentially a laptop. Yeah. Right, and I... Uh uh, I put a scope on the output of uh, some of these units, and uh, what they do operating off the battery is a modified sound, a modified sine wave. It looks more like a square wave. Is that at all injurious to, over the long term, running a computer power supply to not have a smooth sine wave? Um, it. Is that coming off of the computer end or off of? Well, it can't be coming off of the. No, when you when you just put a scope on the output yeah. uh, of a USB unplugged operating on the battery, that you you get what they call is a, a modified sine wave. However, I'm saying it it's it it's a bit it's a bit ragged and it looks more like kind of a uh, a ragged square wave. And my feeling is is that. That's not a good, clean source of current to be running a sensitive device like a computer. Yeah, I, I don't. Well, you, you have to understand that most computer power supplies also do a lot of smoothing out of that stuff, um, mm-hmm. and, and in part mm-hmm. because so many of them have no UPSs and power is dirty. Yeah. Okay. So, so they do a lot of cleaning. So again, if it's a fairly cheap computer maybe you've got a problem but most uh power supplies these days will do at least some of that smoothing out so it's not as much of a big deal okay and and finally going back to the first question about spike surge protectors online the kind that come with a power strip or standalone uh i gather what you're saying is that they really are not worth uh using simply because those uh 
problem occurrences don't happen very often. They're useful as a power strip with multiple outlets. They're not yeah. useful really as a surge protector. Right, because what happens is the first surge you get, it's essentially a circuit breaker. Right? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. The first surge you get trips the circuit breaker, which is then bypassed so you don't lose power. Yeah, it's, it's it, if you're lucky, it, it breaks it open. Right. And you, and you lose power and everything is saved. But if you're not lucky, it breaks closed and the power keeps going. Well, that, and they're designed to break closed. Yeah. Because they, you don't want to lose power. Yep. So they protect you and then they stop protecting you right after the first surge. Many of them are resettable. If they have a little button on it that can be reset. And usually yeah. you'll see a light. Yeah. I have, uh, why well, I asked about age, uh, I have an old one that has an indicator light. And uh, I wonder if that uh, indicator light is on or off. Is uh, that significant whether or not the thing is still working? Well, if it's got a, a reset. No, it doesn't have a reset. Uh, yeah. I would say if the light is on, it's working. No, oh, no, you got to look at the manual. Right. If the light is on, it's working, or there was a problem and the light is on and it's not working. Right. Um, I would look. I would also take a look at the back and see if there's a reset switch okay. in the back. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking through different um, um, uh, UPS um, uh, technical descriptions, and all of them say they're a square wave, mm. which mm. is interesting. And what what I always find annoying is you you can get a decent you know, um, uh, UPS ten minute battery life for under a hundred bucks. Yes. Um, and then in four or five years, when the battery dies, it's it's like sixty bucks, seventy bucks for a new battery. Yep. It's or like, you just buy a whole like, new thing. It's like buying a, an inkjet printer. Yeah, that's right, and that's what I've done. However, uh, again, are they going? Are these ones under a hundred bucks going to protect you from brownouts? Um, maybe, but again, these are more likely the ones that cut in uh, rather than continuously run. Yeah, that's a standby right. rather than a a online or double conversion. And so what a standby, the problem with a standby is how long, what's the threshold, and how long does it take to cut in? How, how do you determine which one you have? Uh, you look at the manual. <laughs> I don't believe they came with a manual. Uh, yeah, look that, it online, maybe. Okay. Yeah, look the model number up online is the only other way I can, you know, there's no, there's no, um, I suppose if you took it all apart and traced the circuit, you would know, but... Beyond, yeah. beyond that, probably not. <laughs> Actually, I could run a few tests and lower the voltage. If you've got a right. scope, you could probably have a voltage regulator, and you just start dropping the voltage right. yourself to the right. input voltage on the. <laughs> right, exactly. See what happens. Yeah. Right. So here, I just found another one says that the waveform is a stepped approximation to a sine wave. <laughs> oh, interesting. Isn't that a square wave? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. From the, from the yes. same company. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as long as it isn't a spiked wave, but uh, yeah. I've always uh, read modified. Anyway, gentlemen, thank you very much for the information, and uh, I appreciate it. And, again, uh, you do a wonderful job on the air. Thank you, Don. We appreciate that. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, so Smiley asked why we can't get to the forum on the Internet, uh, because the forums are gone. Uh, several his, weeks ago. His web page is gone, and that's one of your stories there, isn't it? That's one of my stories. In fact, it's the next story, so why don't I read it, yeah. and then we'll talk about uh, why there's no more forum. Uh, malware that exploits unpatched vulnerabilities in 30 different WordPress plugins has infected hundreds, if not thousands, of sites and may have been in active use for years. The Linux-based malware installs a backdoor that causes infections to redirect visitors to malicious sites. It can also disable event logging, go into standby mode, and shut itself down. It gets installed by exploiting already patched vulnerabilities 
already patched vulnerabilities in plugins that website owners use to facilitate functionality like live chat or metrics reporting or forums to the core WordPress content management system. If sites use outdated versions of such add-ons lacking crucial fixes, the targeted web pages are injected with malicious JavaScripts. As a result, uh, when users click on any area of an attack page, they are redirected to other sites. If one or more vulnerabilities are successfully employed, uh, exploited, the targeted page is injected with malicious JavaScript that is downloaded from a remote server. The injection is done in such a way that when the infected page is loaded, this JavaScript will be initiated first, regardless of the original contents of the page. At this point, whenever users click anywhere on the infected page, they will transfer to the website the attackers need users to go to. Uh, researchers found two versions of this in particular backdoor. They said the malware may have been in use for three years. WordPress plugins have long been a common means for infecting sites. While the security of the main application is fairly robust, many plugins are riddled with vulnerabilities that can lead to infection. Criminals use infected sites to redirect visitors to sites used for phishing, ad fraud, and distributing malware. People running WordPress sites should ensure that they're using the most current versions of the main software as well as any plugins. They should prioritize updating plugins. And now you know why we're not using WordPress anymore. Give us a call, 585-966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299, toll-free 1-800-790-0415. So what happened here, Smiley, is that we had um, uh, our our website, soundbites.org, was running WordPress, which, as I said, is a very secure product, a fairly secure product in and of itself. The problem is the um, plugins. And we were running a lot of them because the basic WordPress doesn't didn't provide many of the features that we wanted. So we were running lots and lots of plugins. And I was keeping them up to date every single day but i'm a person and the exploits are bots and so every day i was cleaning 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 and i just i got fed up and i got tired of it and uh we had a massive infection and i thought i could either spend another 20 hours fixing this or i can just stop and i stopped so there is no forum anymore uh, at least for now, that's not to say we won't have one in the future, but right now we do not. That's why the uh, the uh, poll. That's why I changed the poll originally from the software we were using to the stuff I wrote myself, because the stuff I wrote myself has no vulnerabilities that anyone knows about, and and uh, um, uh, the same thing with the um, thing that Steve uses to um, press this. Press this, which is what he was using. Um, that's gone, and um, I wrote up a, a whole different thing for him to use. Uh, so right now we've pared the website down to the absolute minimum, and uh, frankly, one of those minimums is that there is no forum at the moment. Now, again, that doesn't mean there will never be a forum again. Um, I hope, in fact, that there will be a forum again. Uh, but right now there is not, and uh, we're hoping that, uh, again, that that will change, but it, it, right now it is what it is. Um, and, 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 you know, the same thing with the links and the, uh, the archive software I wrote, the podcast feed software I wrote, the show links thing I wrote, the search for show links I wrote. So um, all so of that... retired now. You've got a lot of free time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. I don't sleep ever anymore, so that's that's where that comes from. But uh, 
excuse me, I beg your pardon. Um, in general, that's that's why we don't have a forum at the moment. Um, I really, I looked at all of the things that we were offering, and I took the ones that were most used. So the archives are used, the podcast feed is used. I like the poll, so I kept it in the hell with everybody. Um, and sh- searching the show links is very big. Or the show links themselves are very big. And uh, so now now you can search them. And uh, um, I have a li- I have well, I have a uh, an archive of all the old um, uh, forum stuff. So the links are in there. Mm-hmm. I just have to figure out a way to import to get them in because the that's one of the things that got screwed up. So I just have to figure out where all the errors are. And uh, and get past them. So that's a that's a thing I'm working on in my spare time. Frankly, it's not my number one priority. Um, but uh, that's why uh, currently, at least, uh, there there are no forums. And and kudos to you for for you clearly bookmarked forums because uh, uh, there's no link anymore. So you you bookmarked them, which is good. Uh, bookmark the things you use all the time. That's that's something we tell people to do. Um, but, uh, there currently there's, uh, there's no forum. So, um, again, uh, don't, don't despair. Um, it, they may come back, but well, there should uh, be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You would think <laughs> the forums uh, are gone. Wow. The forums are gone. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, I, I'll, I'll look into it. I don't, I don't, it's not my priority at the moment. Um, the website has the, the main things, you know, back, back in the day when, you know, 50, 60 posts a week were, were posted. That was great. Now it's three or four. And so I just had a caller who didn't want to go on the air, but asked where the IRC chat went. Scott, we haven't had the IRC chat in 20 years. Did, did, no, they did, were running it. Someone was running it themselves. Did you wake up from a coma? Oh yeah. Somebody, somebody was running the IRC chat. I've thought about a Discord. I've thought about the IRC chat. Uh, I've thought about. Uh, I've thought about a whole lot of things, um, but we haven't we haven't uh, uh, done them yet. Um, I, I, I could I could do a Discord. That would be that would be easy. You know, I don't have to run the Discord. I just have to create one and point to it. We'll Interesting. see. What? Um, the IRC chat, Soundbites IRC, the point to the pointer to the old forum is still uh, still comes up. I'm trying to get to the cache setting to see what it used to be. Okay. So there's a forum posting on December 17th at 2016 about the IRC chat. Oh, interesting. Uh, we'll look in. We'll look into that. We were never running the IRC chat. I'm not sure who was at this point, but it wasn't us. All right, to the phones. Our next caller is Jim from Brighton, New York. What's up, Jim? Hello? Hello? I can't understand a thing you're saying. Running. Hello? Microsoft, the angry IP scanner. And Windows, the error message I got was Windows protected your PC. Windows Defender smart screen prevented an unrecognized app from starting. 
running this app may put your PC at risk. You have an idea what's going on there? It's it's an overly aggressive Windows error for a program it doesn't know about. Is there any way I can work around this? Uh, there should be a button uh, in the message that says run anyway. I see or allow or something like run, that. That's all I see. You see what? No, the one button I see, it says don't run. If I hit that, will that give me another button? Probably not. It, it, it would not run it and then quit. Yeah, um, that's what I expected. Um, what, ha- what you have to do is you open Windows Defender, go to App yeah. and Browser Control, Under Check Apps and Files, you have two options, Block and Warn. And you've got Block selected, so select Warn instead. There's no no just Allow? No, you always will get a warning, but that's where you get the Run Anyway button. Because you've been warned not to run it. It's probably not signed. Right. Yeah. What Windows does is, 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 is... a bunch of manufacturers will sign their work with a special key and give that key to Microsoft. So when you run the the app, it looks at that key and says, oh, you're allowed. This manufacturer clearly do, either doesn't have a key or it's an old key or whatever. And so uh, right now, uh, Windows Defender is blocking it. But if you open up Windows Defender and select the warn option instead of the block option, it will warn you not to run it, but you will have the Run Anyway button. Got it? Got it. Thanks, fellas. Excellent. Give it a try. Thanks. Uh, yeah, Bye-bye. It, thanks. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah, on the Mac, you right-click and say Open, and then it runs it anywhere. But it's the same sort of thing. Gatekeeper is the one, the one on the Mac. I thought there was a thing on the Angry IP website that explained that, too. Let me find that. But, yeah, so because Angry IP is written by a guy, <laughs> um, Angry Zibber, apparently. So it's... it's <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's a... It's great a, Angry Zibber. Yeah, it's, it's a well-known and trusted program, uh, but he doesn't have the um, security information registered with Microsoft, so they don't know that. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, it's a right, and so that's that's the issue. And you know, what, take a look at that. The idea is that's actually good. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, your machine is being protected from things it doesn't know about. That's good. It's also annoying. Yeah. Um, and block is good because it means you don't get to make mistakes as easily. Yeah. Uh, if you change it to warn. Now, what you've said is, I I want the responsibility of running unsecure yep. programs. Ah. And so you've now taken that responsibility on yourself. They also have a uh, an FAQ that some antivirus software vendors will block it as a hacking tool. Right. Uh, which, well, yeah, there's good hackers and there's bad hackers. Right. Again, the bad guys have ruined it for everything. Yep. All right. Back to the phones. Our next caller is James from Rochester, New York. What's up, James? 
Oh, yes. I have uh, two email accounts. I have Yahoo and Spectrum. And my question is, am I supposed to empty the trash folders on these old emails? Because I don't. Um, You probably should. I don't, off the top of my head, know what the storage limits are for Spectrum or Yahoo. And oftentimes the trash empties itself if it's 60 days old or something like that. Yeah, But it depends on the provider. Right. So it may be emptying itself, but it certainly doesn't hurt for you to go in once a week or once a month and just empty the trash. Yeah, the idea of the trash is that if you realize you needed it back, it's still there and you can get it. But once you empty the trash, it is gone. So, in other words, you're telling me some of them automatically disappear? Maybe. It depends on your settings in each of those accounts. And I, I don't I don't know what I know those... Google is thirty days. Yeah. I think I think Spectrum is thirty days. But I don't remember offhand. So the easiest thing to do is to take a look at your trash and see what the oldest one is. Okay, right, and that'll, yeah. and that'll tell you uh, if it's been deleting anything. Yeah, and it also can depend on whether you're doing proper IMAP. So if you're looking at the the email server trash versus trash on your local computer, right. you could have a different schedule for whatever email program you're using on your computer for emptying the trash. Right. So like if you're using Thunderbird, that could be set to 60 days. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't really emptied it yeah. A year or so. Yeah, I would I would go in and take a look and see what the last one is. It may be turned off and, and you've got a year's worth of trash in there, or it may be set to 30 days or 60 days. In any case, um, you can certainly empty it yourself every once in a while. Uh, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, I'm going to look for the automatic where I can set it for the 60 days or something. Yeah, um, that's the way to do it. One of the things that I do is um, I make sure that uh, if I've got a picture, if somebody sends me pictures, mm-hmm. that takes up a lot of space. So I make sure I download those pictures and, and throw them in either Amazon or Google's photo apps, or both in my case. Uh, and then I uh, immediately uh, delete the email and empty the trash so that it's not taking up space anywhere. Yeah, one other quick question for you on my laptop. When I close the lid on it on my, uh, my Dell laptop... Sometimes the fan starts roaring, like it could be open and nothing's going on. And as soon as I close the lid, why is that normal for it to roar more, the fan, or turn on when the lid's closed? In many cases, it, it is. If the, if, the, if the machine is over a certain temperature threshold, it's uh-huh. trying to cool it down quickly. Because it assumes if you're closing the lid, you're going to grab it and pick it up or put it in a bag or something like that. And it's trying to cool it down quickly so that you don't, you know, have a problem in your bag. Oh, so that is normal. It's sort. quite normal. I, <coughs> excuse me, I would also wonder, check the, the, <coughs> the BIOS settings, because maybe closing the lid isn't putting it to sleep. And now suddenly all the heat is being contained. We, we had a customer bring their laptop into to the shop once. All the plastic keys had melted wow. off of the keyboard because it didn't go to sleep when they lowered the lid. Wow. Oh, okay. <coughs> yeah, I don't um, really transport it that much, but thank you for the information. I'll follow through on all of that. All right, excellent. Thank you, James. Have fun. Have a nice weekend. 
You too. Bye-bye. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of settings that you can change on a laptop and on a desktop, for that matter, um, that you can tweak it for days. But uh, the important thing is uh, if, you can, if you can set it to shut down when you close the lid or suspend, so, you know, um, there's suspension and there's hibernation and there's sleep and each of them has a slightly different meaning. Um, but uh, often, um, uh, for example, if I suspend my laptop, it, it keeps stuff in RAM, so it uses some battery. If you hibernate, it writes everything to disk and really shuts down. And there's a Windows program called Tweak UI right. to tweak all those settings. To tweak all those settings. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Steve Ray, Michael Oden, me, Nick Francesco, and you. It is 30 minutes after the hour. You're listening to the longest-running computer show in the known universe, Sound Bites, right here in the truly great and truly grateful to you because we are fully member-supported Jazz 90.1. See you in a couple. Computer talk you can understand. More Sound Bites is next on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Steve Ray. And I'm Michael Oden. And at 35 minutes after the hour, we are Sound Bites, and we have Tom from Brighton, New York, on the line. What's up, Tom? Yeah, hi. Good afternoon. Hi. Um, so recently, I, I've had this issue with um, a, um, it's a sort of an overlay onto Windows called One Launch that keeps popping up on my machine when, I, when it boots up. And I've gotten rid of it on a few occasions. I can go into Control Panel and, and you know, remove it from the program list. But then it eventually comes back again. I'm wondering where it's coming from. Um, you know what that is? What I'm referring to, what one launches. I'm seeing a lot of questions about, is it malware? Yeah. Right. It's a supposedly a fast web browser built on Chromium. Right. Um, it's not a virus. It's not malware. The problem is it also kind of acts like one. Um, yes, it does. Uh, so I'm not entirely sure how you got it. There are you know, 50 ways you can get it. Um, but the the way the way you want to do it to uninstall it, basically hit the start button um, and and search for uninstall. Um, I have, I've done that, yes. Okay, so you find one launch and you uninstall it and it asks you... F- then it's gone for a while. It's, it does, and then eventually it comes back again, like a, a few days, maybe a week. Something else you've installed... He's must, downloading must be it again. It back. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't install too many things on my machine. I, I'm pretty careful about that. Hmm. But you didn't specifically uh, try to download. No, definitely did not. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I... That's. Uh, it's reminding me of the OneDrive problem we keep having that keeps coming back. On Windows machines, but that's a Microsoft program, and Microsoft owns Windows, and they really want you to run one OneDrive. It it may have come through bundled with something else. Yeah, remove. Uh, go into your your task scheduler and see if there's a task schedule to reinstall it. Okay, that's true. Yeah, 
There's there's a task scheduler. Um, Linux people know it as crontab, but there's a task scheduler that says, is for example, every day at this time run this program, or once a month run this, or whatever it may be. Um, and so you can you can add th- things or remove things from the task scheduler that you want to have to happen all the time. So for example, you go into task scheduler and say every morning at three a.m. run this backup program. Um, so there may be something in task scheduler that's saying, you know, once a week, once a month, every three days, whatever it is, um, uh, run uh, the the uh, reinstall, uh, check to see if, you know, run this program, which will then check to see if um, uh, one launch is installed, and if it's not, it'll install it. Okay. Uh, I haven't... I haven't done anything like that intentionally in task schedule, but I'll, I'll look for it just to be sure nothing is. Well, if it, if it got run. bundled in with something else, and and uh, either they didn't ask you, which is both unscrupulous and illegal, but if or or they asked you and you just blew past it, um, fine print, fine print. Yeah. Um, it, it could have installed that into task schedule itself. Yeah. Without your permission. Why, why, why anyone would want this uh, one launch? It doesn't really do anything more than what uh, you can do under Chrome or, or any other um, web browser. Uh, it, 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 it's designed to improve functionality. And yeah. people always yeah, want their functions improved. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, so somebody said it was really great. They probably bought an ad. Um, on on websites, you know, is, is your Windows running slow, or do you want do you want to enhance yeah. your functionality? You know, make your speed up your Windows, and uh, and they're getting enough um, uh, sales to uh, to make it worth it. Yeah, <laughs> let them take a laxative. They need something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, right. <Okay. laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks a lot. All right. Yep. Good luck. You too. Right, right. Uh, that's the thing that most annoys me about this stuff um you don't have they take away control mm-hmm. you know unless you really know what you're doing and where to look and and stuff like that you don't have control over your own computer and well that's that's the definition of running windows anyway but uh, even so um you would think you'd have at least some some shot at, at running your own computer all right back to the phones our next caller is steve from Spencerport, New York. What's up, Steve? Yes, hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I had a very general question for you in regards to uh, browsers. The other day I went to upgrade uh, my uh, my McAfee, and I kind of got talked into QuickFox Safe Browser. And uh, just wondering... I think I got taken quite a lot on it. Um, cost me quite a lot of money, and uh, just wondering, is that normal? Well, no. every company will attempt, no, not every company, many companies will attempt to get you to spend more money. It's called upselling. You know, when you go to buy a car, they want to give you undercoating, and they want to give you the special wheel covers and the this and the that, and it's all, it's upselling adding uh, something to your sale. Um, and so, um, you know, if if QuickFox gets paid, they kick back some money to McAfee. So McAfee's going to say, sure, throw your, uh, we'll throw your attempt in there to, to, to sell this guy something. Holy crap. What? 
It's a three-digit price tag. Holy moly. Um, but, but there are so many free browsers out. Right. You don't need to pay for a browser. Right. Um, there's no. I don't think there's going to be any way you'll ever get your money back, but you can certainly stop using I don't know who puts out QuickFox, um, but if they're incredibly uh, insistent on you installing it, I, don't, I wouldn't trust it personally. But, well, but it says on their webpage it's trustworthy. Oh, well, there you go then. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry. You, you're probably out the money. You're never going to get your money back. But you can certainly um, um, uninstall it and, and, and simply not use it. They have a cuddly crew on their about page. What's it called, QuickFox? Uh, Q-I-K-F-O-X. There's Loki, the chief ruckus or- organizer. Thor, the chief cuddle organizer. Freya, the napper snapper. And Kirby, the chief calm officer. So you, you almost kind of like him for that. It's under the about us section. Well, <laughs> I, I know, yeah, I, 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 I older gentlemen don't know that much about computers and all that. And uh, as I said, I, I thought I was taken in that. And, uh, I, and I wasn't looking to get my money back. I was just looking to, I, I didn't think they'd ever do that. But uh, obviously, when they do it, they, you know, they do try to upsell you on different things and that. Uh, so, um, but uh, uh, I guess uh, I made a made an error in judgment. They're on a mission to design a trustworthy Internet. Well, I... D- d- by, by- Forcing you to install something by, by badgering you to, into installing something? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's maybe, maybe not. All right, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think, I think what you've done is, is, is uh, gotten bullied, frankly, into uh, installing uh, a piece of software that you really don't need and probably don't actually want. Sure, sure. Um, is there any uh, uh, organizations and that type of thing that uh, you can join to learn more about uh, uh, computer information and uh, 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 so you wouldn't get taken again? I mean, as far as for older people in that, um, there used to be a, a group at the at the JCC. They still do training classes at the JCC, yeah, but they're they're not they're they're usually on specific apps. They're not general purpose. Um, there was the the Rochester um, um, what was the, what was the PC users group PC cubed PC cubed. Uh, there's there's Apple Cider, which is for Macintosh. Uh, there are users groups. Most of them have been struggling with the uh, with the pandemic. Um, I help run Apple Cider, and and we've done our um, meetings. Uh, uh, on uh, on the internet, so we've 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 kept going uh, virtually. Um, so there are users groups like that. That's one thing we had on the old website is a list of all the users groups. Right. Okay. Okay. Real good. I, I'm not an Apple user, so um, obviously, because the uh, Rochester Computer Society. That's what it was. Uh, and Rock Geeks. I don't know much about either one, but. Um, yeah, didn't Rochester, uh, didn't PC Cube then uh, merge into Rochester Computer Society? Most of the time, we've been uh, the the users groups are having trouble finding places to hold their meetings, and that hasn't gotten any easier through the through the pandemic. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, the Rochester Computer Society, let's see, are they having a... That's at rcsi.org, Rochester Computer Society, Inc. Uh, yeah, they are having a meeting January 10th um, on artificial intelligence trends. Ooh, that sounds interesting. But they also they're have meeting, special interest groups on Windows and Linux and Android and stuff like that, searching so browsers. Yep, yeah, their meeting next week is at uh, St. John's Meadows. Okay. Okay, very good, guys. Thank, thank you very much for uh, your help in that, and uh, uh, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Have fun. Take care now. Yep, bye now. Bye-bye. Yeah, I should put I should put back up a page of that. The problem is there just there aren't a lot of them anymore. Yeah. That I found a Rock Wiki page that lists a lot of them. Yeah, uh, um, um, Joe and Cheek Tawaga. <laughs> um, it says uh, uh, used to gather quite often on Dalnet on this. Hashtag, excuse me, the pound sign soundbites channel because it isn't. Maybe it's a hashtag now. It's an octothorpe. It's an octothorpe, exactly. Unfortunately, um, yeah, um, one one of the members uh, passed away, died in a skiing accident. Um, but there's just been very little participation, uh, and and so you know when when nobody signs up, um. Uh, and and comes into play, people don't tend to to do it, you know. Um, and and uh, um, automatic renewal for Ask Nick. I don't know. I don't know, Frederick. I, I don't know if you renewed this year or not. Um, hold on. I don't. I don't know that. I Has can. anyone renewed this year? Yes, <laughs> quite a number of people have renewed oh, this wow. year, and that makes me happy. I I put out a, a weekly newsletter every Sunday. Um, uh, I answer people com- people's computer questions every week. Um, uh, I didn't do Christmas Day or New Year's Day, uh, but I will be doing one tomorrow. And uh, um, it's twenty five dollars a year, and you you get one every week, and it renews yearly. And it's uh, lots of people are in it. Lots of people renewed. I don't. Um, I'm sorry, Frederick. I don't honestly know off the top of my head if you're if you're in. I don't. I have not memorized. You know, but. The day I started, and there were only four people signed up. I had everybody. I knew everybody. <laughs> they don't anymore. Um, but um, uh, I can I can look that up if you'll email me. Um, uh, I will I will look that up for you and see if you uh, see if you renewed. Uh, it the renewals come automatically uh, into into PayPal, and I just I'm not I'm not looking it up right now. I'm trying to do this instead. So. Um, yeah, um, but if if you're interested in my newsletter, uh, you can go to asknick.com. That's asknick.com, and uh, and you can sign up for the newsletter. Um, uh, end of shameless self promotion. Thank you very much. Uh, oh, I should I, we should talk about this. Out of warranty iPhone owners will soon have to spend more to replace their batteries in an Apple store. Starting on March 1, all older iPhones that came out before 2022, who has an iPhone from before 2022, will see their battery replacement fees increase by $20. Currently, the owner of an iPhone 13 will pay 69 bucks for a new battery. In two months, Apple will charge 89 
Battery price increases will also apply to older iPhones, some iPads, MacBook laptops, and in some international markets as well. So you're not going to save money by traveling overseas to get your iPhone fixed. Currently, all iPhone 14 models are still under warranty, and if something goes wrong, the company will fix the phone for free. But when they start to emerge from warranty on the one-year anniversary of purchase, Apple will charge 99 bucks to replace the batteries in them. The move shows that Apple is still adjusting prices in response to higher costs for labor and parts. Although inflation has recently slowed in the U.S., uh, Apple said last year that inflation has affected its business and it raised iPhone prices in several international markets. The change could also prompt more people to upgrade their phones to a new model instead of replacing the battery. It could also drive users to not... What? Okay, I don't want to spend 99 bucks for a battery, so I'll spend $900 for a phone. No, you, um, you spend 20 bucks a month on your plan. That's very true. That's yeah. very true. The change could also prompt... Uh, oh, I should have read that already. It could also drive users to non-Apple repair stores for lower prices. Which is probably not a terrific idea. You want at least... A an Apple qualified yep. dealer, um, uh, in order to a uh, keep any warranty you may have, and b make sure that the product you get is good. Changes not that the people who aren't warranted aren't necessarily good. Uh, changes in the battery uh, replacement fee have affected iPhone sales in the past. In late 2017, users discovered that Apple had added some software code that slowed down iPhones with older batteries that had been mostly used up prevent the whole iPhone from unexpectedly shutting down because of the weak battery. The revolution, uh, the revelation became a scandal for Apple, forcing the company to respond to Congress and pay international fines. Its solution to customers at the time was to offer battery replacements for 29 bucks versus the older price of 79 bucks. The battery replacements were massively popular, and lots of iPhone owners opted for the cheap tune-up, straining Apple's retail stores before the program ended and prices rose again. In, 25, in 2019, Apple CEO Tim Cook, or if you prefer, Tim Apple, pointed to the $29 battery replacement as one reason for no, lower-than-expected iPhone sales at the time in a letter to investors. Because, as Steve said, <coughs> a number of people would prefer, rather than replace the battery in the iPhone, uh, to buy a new iPhone. So how's your iPhone battery? If you can, give us a call, 585-966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299, toll free, 1-800-790-0415. Yeah. It's actually interesting that they have kept the price the same for so long with um, uh, so many supply chain issues and skyrocketing shipping prices. Although I have read, so before the pandemic, it was a couple thousand dollars to ship a container from Asia. At the height of the pandemic, it was like fifty thousand yeah. dollars per container. I think now it's down back to ten thousand dollars. <laughs> yep, yep. It's uh, uh, the pandemic was good for companies like Mastermind Lounge who who do uh, video conferencing online. Um, uh, but in terms of of lots of other companies, it was a real it was a real problem. Um, we worked for so many decades to get just-in-time marketing right? or just-in-time manufacturing. So you get a thing in the front door and you build your thing and put it out the back door. You don't have a warehouse full of parts waiting to go. Right. And now the <laughs> people who had parts lasted a lot longer yep. than the people who didn't because mm. you couldn't get new parts. No no new parts coming in the front means no, none of your product going out the back. We saw that with cars, too. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you think, okay, I get it. Your computer's going to be, uh, you, you, you're going to 
make fewer computers because you have fewer parts. Everything's got chips in them nowadays. Televisions have chips in them. Cars have chips in them. Everything's got chips in them these days. Everything but your shoes, and some shoes do. So um, there's a whole lot of uh, uh, there's a whole lot of uh, of products that were backed up. Yeah, and in during fact, the pandemic, they were shipping cars without chips. Right. Saying, well, yeah. well, put those in later when we get them. If, yeah, if it's something simple like your heat seater. Well, we'll ship you the car and then put that in later. Right, exactly right. There were pictures of uh, uh, football stadiums in Detroit, you know, filled with cars yep. that they couldn't sell because they're missing pieces. That's um, that's a, you know, and 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 we're seeing that start to lighten up a little bit, but not uh, um, not as much as we'd like. All right, back to the phones. Our next caller is Jack from Rochester, New York. What's up, Jack? I don't get the internet when I leave the house on my iPhone. It's been intermittent lately. It's been good for years. This phone is maybe over eight years old, my iPhone. I think it's a 6E. I'm not too good with terminology, but I think it's a 6E. There's a 6 and a 6S. Oh, it's a 6. Okay. I was at the Apple store the other day, and they they, they said 6. That's probably the problem. Uh, Who is your uh, cell phone carrier? Uh, spectrum, and of course, when I called them, they they did a little bit of a diagnostic from their end, and they say you got a bunch of bars, you're good. And well, the, Apple says the phone's getting old. The problem is many cell phone carriers have shut down 3G cellular, um, and so you have to have a 4G phone or a 5G phone. Um, and the iPhone 6 is a 3G phone. Gotcha. So it doesn't have 4G. It doesn't have the right 4G in it. It was like 3.5G, but not quite 4G. <laughs> before, right. the, before the standards were fully defined, it's, so it's not LTE, but it had pieces of the 4G spec in it, but not enough. Oh, okay. Um, well, that was clear. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so whoever, <laughs> yeah. whoever Spectrum uses for their back-end uh, cellular service may have already shut down. Many of the, the, the carriers shut down last year, and there's a couple of them still shutting down um, um, this year. Okay. Yeah. So the problem is that your phone doesn't have the right radio. So there's no there's no fix other than a new phone. I'm sorry. Well, now we know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So Apple do it does have the iPhone SE uh, special edition um, that starts at three ninety nine, and that's their basic uh, and you know entry level does pretty much everything you need phone without all the super whiz bang and expensive uh, options on the the higher thirteen and fourteen. So we sell a lot of those in our store for people who just want a, a, a simple phone um, and don't need uh, don't need the forty eight megapixel three wide angle lens camera. <laughs> and tell your store, tell me where that is. What's what's the name? What's um, so um, um, are we allowed? To say I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll, I'll I think do so. homework. So, well, yeah, you can you can do your own homework at mac av dot org. Com. Com. Dot com. <laughs> Sorry, what did I say? Org. Org, no. Or applesider.org is, is the users group. You can go there. Right. Because that's there a 501c3 nonprofit. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks very much. Yep. Yep. Thanks. Yeah, so we are an official Apple um, uh, reseller and service provider. Um, not owned by Apple. We're independent, but we're still uh, we're still authorized. So, app, so you, you mentioned it earlier. There are official Apple service centers like us. And then there's the independent repair program. So 
Right. Pretty much anybody who has an iPhone kiosk can get take the training and get official Apple parts in order to do uh, iPhone repair. And we've seen some companies starting to do that. Um, and then there is the, oh, what do they call it? Where as a customer in your own home, you can order the parts and tools. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they ship you the tools. You do the replacement yourself and then ship the tools back. And the tools come in a suitcase. Two. Two suits. Giant me. suitcases to take your phone a car. And most of that, it's the, because the phones are glued together for waterproofing, you need special tools to take it apart and put it back together again so it's waterproof again. Right, right, right. All right. That music tells us we are done for another week. Uh, I want to thank Steve Ray. I want to thank Michael Oden, who came in uh, to do yeoman's work today as... Uh, oh, this is, I seem to have stuck this in. Um, and uh, Dave Enright, theoretically, will have, uh, will have eluded the law and be back here next week. I want to thank each and every one of you who called in. Thank you very much. It's you folks who keep this show on the air. And... Uh, and the first show of 2023 is in the books, and uh, and we're done. But um, we'll be back next week, whether you like it or not, with a whole lot more of the longest-running computer show in the known universe. That would be Sound Bites right here on the Truly Great and Truly Grateful to You that we are member-supported Jazz 90.1. We'll see you in 166 hours. Be good to one another, will you?